0: once again by the awesome bill o'reilly who revolutionized cable news and also the publishing industry uh yet another massive bestseller he's out with it's called killing the legends the lethal danger of celebrity available wherever books are sold hey bill thanks for being here how are you I appreciate you putting me on, Kelly. Nice of you to do it. Uh, anytime. But, hey, let me ask you first. Bernard McGurk, um, we lost him at the age of 64. I'm sure you crossed paths with him, or did you? I mean, did you know Bernie you were, at all? I
1: had him on the uh, factor. I had him on the O'Reilly factor with Gutfeld. Um, I've known uh, McGurk 20, 25 years at least. Um, and I was on in the morning with uh, WABC people talking about him. Essentially... Bernard McGurk was successful in New York, an icon here, because he was authentic. You know, we, you, me, McGurk, a number of others, we have similar upbringings, Judeo-Christian, a philosophy in the house, uh, ethnic Irish, uh, Long Island, he's in the Bronx, uh, originated, my father was in Brooklyn, and, you know, we grew up a certain way, uh, loyalty is uh, very important, no bs no spin uh tell it like it is and mcgurk epitomized all those things very uh interesting guy smart guy um he's going to be missed by me personally and everybody i think who knew him and um i told everybody who was grieving look let's celebrate his life and uh Tell people, you know, who exactly he was and why he was so successful on WABC.
0: Oh, that's uh, that's awesome, uh, Bill. Hey, you know what's interesting? You mentioned Long Island. You know, so many great broadcasters from Long Island. I mean, big time. You mentioned Bernie, of course, you, Howard Stern, Geraldo Rivera. I mean, whatever you think of these guys, these are major league, you know, uh, legendary. Geraldo, household name famous, just like you, Howard Stern, all from one county. Have you ever thought of it that way? Yeah, and it's because our upbringing,
1: when you are brought up on Long Island, but I think this applies to Jersey and Westchester and the surrounding counties of New York City. There's so many people, eight and a half million in the city, 16 million in uh, our area, that there's not a lot of time for uh, phoniness or uh, canopies or tail. Uh, you know, it, it, you grow up in a hard, scrabble environment. Um, it's not that way so much anymore, but it, when we were growing up, it was. And you learn self reliance, you learn to speak your mind in a way that matters, has impact. And I think that's what led to uh, the success of broadcasters on Long Island.
0: Very interesting. Um, and, Bill, gosh, broadcasting and literature, as I like to call it, this new book, is really, really interesting. And what a great idea. Celebrity can kill. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of also funny that so many people want to be famous. Do you, is this a warning to, to civilians that, you know, be careful what you wish for? Fame is not all that?
1: Well, Killing the Legends is a two-track book. It tells you about Elvis, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali. But it also illuminates how important they were in American history today. So Presley changed the culture in the 50s. Beatles changed the culture in the 60s. Ali changed the civil rights culture and the culture of dissent. And all of them, all three, were crushed by their celebrity. The celebrity actually destroyed them. I wanted to be famous when I was growing up in Levittown. Um, I thought it would be great. I didn't care about the mansion or Ferrari. I wanted people like in Cheers to know my name and to admire what I did for a living, which was journalism. So I, I pursued that, and foolishly, I didn't think about that if you're going to blow V8 on radio and television every day, there are going to be people who want to hurt you. And so... Uh, when they came after me, I was relatively unprepared for it. All on me. I should have known better. I have a degree from Harvard. I've been around. Presley, Lennon, and Muhammad Ali were largely uneducated. They were smart men, but they weren't educated, and they did not have a support system. Okay, They didn't have anybody around them to protect them from the horrors of celebrity. People try to rip you off. They ingratiate themselves. or phonies. Uh, The demands on your time are staggering. Do you have no privacy? Uh, You leave the house now, if you're a famous person in America, you're on tape every second. Everywhere you go, people are taping you, trying to, you know, hear what you say. You're on a cell phone camera. I mean, it's really frightening. And many people can't handle it. They just blow up.
0: Uh, Hey, wait a second. Hold on. You still there? Okay, good. I am. I, 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 um, did, did you hear that beautiful music for a moment? I don't know where the you hell, know, hell it came from. I thought it was angels coming. Down. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you said there's nobody there for him, and uh, people exploiting and whatever. Elvis Presley. Let's. I remember well when he died. I was a little kid. I also remember finding out, and I think I may have seen a picture of him at the funeral. He had a father. He had a father who was, you know, probably in his 60s. Where was he? And and couldn't he? I'm, I'm surprised that he did not, you know, try to straighten out Elvis a little bit.
1: He was cashing the checks. And that's where he was, Vernon Presley, cashing those checks. Elvis Presley was not an introspective man. Um, if I were his father, I certainly would have put a stop to it. But there would be a good chance that Elvis would have thrown my butt right out of the house and banished me from his life. Uh, Elvis um, wanted immediate gratification. He was in pain a lot of the time. And he wanted to take drugs to dull the pain. And that's what he did. If you look at Elvis Presley 1968, you Google it today, you'll see a guy at the top of his game, magnificently talented. uh, 10 years later, you can't believe it's the same human being. And he had to know it, unless there weren't any mirrors in Graceland. He had to know he was going down. And he continued to do the self-destructive stuff. And in his inner circle, nobody was telling him to stop because he wouldn't listen and he didn't like that kind of advice.
0: Hmm. Hey, how about this today? How how different is it being famous today than, say, in 1977, 1980? I, I picked those years because those are the years that uh, Elvis died and uh, John Lennon died. What's fame like today compared to back then?
1: Well, the Internet has changed everything. The cell phone cameras have changed everything. Um, And now uh, if you are famous in the United States, you are not a person. You are a commodity, a thing. So people can go on the uh, Internet sites and rip you up and defame you and say horrible things about you. And your, of course, family hears and sees that collateral damage to uh, children of the famous is, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's one of the reasons I included the suicide of Elvis Presley's grandson. Um, I included it in Killing the Legends because I said the collateral damage is unbelievable here. So fame is dangerous. Um, and I picked these three guys because they're the top of the line, they are the ones that changed our culture. They're not Michael Jackson or Prince or John Belushi or Marilyn Monroe. They all went down. But they did not have the enormous influence on the way we live today as these three men did.
0: And I think you said that uh, Elvis, before Elvis, I mean, you can see it. You can look up pictures from, they say, 1950, 1952, 1953. Take a look at commuters. Take a look at people heading into the city or walking down Fifth Avenue Everybody is almost wearing a uniform. And 20 years later, everybody is different. Everybody is kind of – and I was thinking about it because I, I, that that really – is that Elvis' response? Did Elvis do that? He did it
1: single-handedly. He blew up the conformist culture going on Ed Sullivan singing a dopey song called Hound Dog. And in six minutes, the entire American culture collapsed. And the next day, pastors, preachers were saying that Elvis Presley was the ally of the devil. Parents were yelling at their boys, you can't slick your hair back, you can't wear the leather jacket. Elvis won. Rock and roll rebellion came in, and then it stayed until the Beatles came over, and they changed the culture again into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which we have now. And it's just an amazing historical perspective when you step back. And most people don't know any of this. And that's why I wrote Killing the Legends, because I want people to know about their culture.
0: Well, let me ask you this, though. So, you know, in retrospect, and we've all seen the movies, I think it was Footloose, you know, the uptight preacher is there saying this is the devil's work, this is the devil's music. And we, we, to this day, chuckle, oh, gosh, you know, they were so square. And, of course, you know, who doesn't like rock and roll? But looking back and looking back, what's happened to our culture and the drugs you mentioned? I mean, weren't they probably more right than wrong or not right? That's an interesting question, Kelly. So whenever you
1: have change, it can get out of control. And the cultural change in America did. So I was in college during the Vietnam era, the protest era that got out of control. It got out of control. people were getting blown up uh, Kent state uh it was it was black panthers. It was incredible what happened it then the culture went back a little bit all right it it was exhausted by all this, but now was a cultural civil war between the progressives which hate America and want to change everything about it, and the traditional people like you and me who feel that. We're the most successful nation on earth for a reason. Our traditions made us that way. So now we're in that culture war. But it did. All the dissent began with Elvis, the Beatles, Muhammad Ali. It all began. And dissent is good. You don't want to conform any nation. Okay? That's, we don't want to be Japan here. Um, we want to have robust debate. But you've got to control it. And right now, it's out of control in America.
0: Yeah, it really feels that way. Hey, let me ask you: Did you see Joe Biden walking around Florida yesterday? Uh, some people say he was, uh, oh, he was pretty good. Said the right thing. I feel the opposite. But what do you think?
1: Uh, I I'm, I don't have any beef with Biden uh, going down there and um, you know bringing money. That's what Biden does. He brings money wherever he goes. Some money, 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 money. Uh, but I. I am much more concerned about his inability to govern the nation than taking a uh, plane trip to Florida. I I thought that was fine. But the man is downright dangerous. He is getting us – two years ago, we had the most vibrant economy on earth. And look at it now in the space of two years. And it's going to get worse under this guy. He's totally a hostage of the far, far, far left. And he won't solve any problem because he doesn't even understand the problems. And that's why the midterms coming up in uh, four and a half weeks are vital.
0: Can I ask you about the hostage comment? So, like, I have this theory that if he were to go rogue, (laughs) to be anything like the centrist he once pretended to be a long time ago, and in some ways actually was, If he went centrist, I feel like he's vulnerable. The DOJ would be unleashed. Uh, He's vulnerable personally. Hunter Biden is vulnerable. And I think the people that he works for, (laughs) Susan Rice and Barack Obama, they they just wouldn't have it. So it's not a matter of just maintaining the support of the far left. I mean, he's got real practical concerns. If he gets out of line, they will unleash the hounds of hell.
1: It's beyond that now. So Biden is not going to run again. There's no way. He may not even make out his last two years. Don't be surprised if you wake up and there's a I have to resign because of health reasons memo. He's through. The Democratic Party knows he's finished. And the proof of that is there isn't one Democrat running for House or Senate that has asked for Biden to to campaign for them. Not one. Is that an amazing situation.
0: Mm.
1: Nobody wants him. He's radioactive. But here's the kicker: Joe Biden sold his soul for fame and power. He repudiated every single belief that he had, every one—abortion, crime, taxes, uh, immigration, all of it. He's now the opposite of what he was, and he did it so he could become president fame crushed him in that way
0: wow wow it sure did and we're living with it we're living with it well we're the victims we're the victims please check out the book a bill o'reilly book is a real gem and a real pleasure um all of them are fantastic but the latest one killing the legends the lethal danger of celebrity of course available wherever Books are sold. Hey, Bill, you personally, do you read on a Kindle or do you like the hard copies? No, I read the book.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a big uh, high-tech guy. I'm, I, I want the book, and I get actually in newspapers. I get them delivered every morning. Newspapers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the news The news guy loves me. I'm the only client he's got. <laughs>
0: Wow. I was a, you know, I was a Newsday paper boy. I wonder if they have them anymore. Paper boys. Remember paper well, yeah, boys? Guys I drive by and throw the papers on your uh, driveway. <laughs> yeah, I did it for my bicycle. Uh, hey, Bill O'Reilly, you're the best. Thank you so much. And check out BillO'Reilly.com. BillO'Reilly.com. It's all there. Bill O'Reilly, thanks for being with us. The legend. Yeah, thanks
1: for having me in, uh, Kelly. I really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, I
0: hope. You bet, sir. Take care, and we'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating,